Jack O'Connor said, don't ever read a paper. You're kind of thinking, why did he say that? Or what did he mean by that? Or does he rate him higher than me? It opens up something that you do not want opened. You the only have to be thing intercounty players should be looking at or listening to is the football podcast. <laughs> Wherever you get your podcasts. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Welcome along to Wednesday Night Rugby. Big weekend ahead of us. We've got the URC quarterfinals. We're going to have a bit more chat about the semi-finals in the Heineken Champions Cup last weekend. We've got a repeat of last year's final coming up with the Aviva on the 20th of May, where La Rochelle will defend their title against Leinster. And also, it would seem that Greg McWilliams is on his way out as the Ireland women's head coach after they picked up the wooden spoon at the weekend in the TikTok Women's Six Nations. Delighted to say I've got Rory O'Connor in studio with me. How are you going, Rory? Good, thanks, Will. And Fiona Hayes is here with us as well. How are you, Fiona? Hi lads, delighted to be here. Yeah, before we talk about the URC, Fiona, we might just um, start with that story which was broken by Brendan Fanning and by Rory uh, coming into this week about Greg McWilliams effectively telling some of the players it would seem at the weekend that he was going to leave. The RFU putting out a statement yesterday afternoon to say they're now in conversation uh, with Greg, which it would appear is now to facilitate his exit as Ireland head coach after that very disappointing Six Nations campaign. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one because you would think when it was kind of leaked that, you know, or if you would come out with the information, but it was almost by their statement, it was almost like they didn't fully know what was going on themselves. Um, so I would I would imagine now Rory might know more than this, but I would imagine that it was probably Greg's decision to go. He wasn't happy. Maybe he felt um, maybe he felt like the the team hadn't performed the way he'd like to, and just and and wanted to kind of move on. And and there are a few I suppose were were looking at that because normally coaching terms I feel anyway, and I know myself. I think three years is a good kind of judge on on how how you've performed. You'll always have that first year. You'll probably always be a bit better um, starting out with a new coach. And then the second year you're settling, obviously you'd still like to kick on a bit. But I thought that maybe one more year we would have really seen kind of if if Greg had changed this, um, whether the, the lack of, I suppose, of attacking style or a few areas, whether that has got to do with, um, you know, why he, he, he might want to go, I'm not sure because... I know from my own coaching, um, if you spend so long working on something and you don't see any sort of kind of look from it from the team, you know, you, you begin to kind of question how your coaching style is on this team as well. Rory, what's the reason behind this? Is this as simple as he was hoping for a top three finish and it was as disappointing or what? I, I don't what? necessarily know if, he, if, if he's walked himself. I mean, as far as I know, discussions are ongoing with the IRFU and, and things I think will seep out as the days go on. But... I th- like I think it's gone very badly. Like performances have been have been really poor this year. There are mitigating factors behind it. There are you know all of the stuff that we've talked about during the during the tournament, whether it's season structures and all that sort of stuff. There's the fact that Ireland didn't go to the World Cup and the five other teams that the Six Nations did. Um, but I feel like you know the fact that John McKee was put in alongside him, you know, that suggested maybe that the RFU felt that this coaching team needed to be bulked up a little bit, that they needed to be more experience in there. Um, McWilliams himself, I think, I, I, I get the sense that he was kind of happy enough, you know, he would be happy enough to move on as well. Like, it's been fairly toxic the last couple of weeks. I think it's been very difficult. The timing of the Telegraph piece um, coming out just before the Italy game, having to deal with the questions around that, the social media um, stuff that followed around that as well. It's a hard job. I think it's going to be really hard to find a candidate who wants to do it because 
the media attention that comes with it because it is the Ireland national team and more and more they're being treated on a, on a fairly even footing with the men in terms of how they're covered and, and, and rightly so that's fine when you're winning but if you're losing week on week on week having loads of people dial into your press conferences or coming along to your press conferences coming come to your matches being covered live on television it it's a, like it, it was a fairly negative doom spiral they were in during that Six Nations and it was it was hard for McWilliams to get performance out of the players and we saw some improvements as it went on in certain areas they weren't able to fix other areas but they didn't have a like he didn't have a real window to have a go at it he obviously had that tour to Japan which was a new thing and a, and, and they came back very positive from that but then there was you know there was a World Cup happening elsewhere they did no games during that they did no build up to the Six Nations they thought the Cel- the Celtic challenge was, was the way forward you know, was the way of doing it but Scotland and Wales sent it in dummy team you know reserve teams effectively and it didn't really stand to them at all and, and by the time they felt like they were figuring out it was over and now we don't even know when they're playing again, who they'll be playing again. There's talk, summer internationals, they're in the WXV third tier, so they'll be playing against teams that you know they deserve to be playing against because they've that's the place they've earned. I mean, it's very meritorious, this uh, this um, WXV. That's where Ireland are right now, and we can't complain about playing against Jamaica and Kazakhstan because that's that's where, where, where the team are. But it's the plotting a route out of that position is going to be so difficult for whoever it is. I have a feeling they're going to go for, for an international candidate, someone from outside with no baggage who come in with a fresh look at it. But look, we're a long way off that. They haven't even confirmed that Williams is gone yet. But it's it's definitely you know it, it's on the, it's it's happening and it's, it's it's happening soon. I would think the last few weeks of the championship for the playing group and also for the coaching group had to be quite difficult because these issues are a lot wider than the here and now and the core group of players who are there right now. To be there where you have things like the protest that happened in Cork and the reaction to the protest around the game at Musgrave Park, when you take the Telegraph article coming out a couple of days before the Italy game, they can go up at press conference and say, you know, we're putting this to one side and our focus is on the game at the weekend and we're trying not to pay any attention to this. But naturally that kind of negativity has to seep in. Yeah, like there's a... You know, they're doing media... They, they scaled it back a little bit as the, as the competition went on, but they were, at one stage at the start of the competition they were out four or five days a week and... You know, you come in. There's there's loads of other issues circling around. Like you know, it's the first tournament since they got contracts. So and some people didn't sign contracts. So you're being asked about that. So they're always when the men are in, they sometimes get asked about bigger bigger picture issues. But largely, all of the stuff around them is taken care of, and they're not really, you know, um, taken off task. You're asked about what whales are like, and what, and you're looking forward to the weekend, and what have you been up to since you, you know, how's camp going? Whereas the women are coming in, and instantly they're being asked, and rightly so because it's it's our job to ask questions, and, and these are the big issues. But you're being asked. Why didn't you sign a contract, or why didn't she sign the contract? And then why are only four or five of you on contracts? How are contracts affecting things? And look, this is there's also you know the playing pool is it big enough? Are the players good enough? And um, there's other things. It's not just the media thing that's that, that you could lay on them. But I do think there was an element of from there's so much happening around them that it's it's very hard for them to, to clue into the performance at the weekend. And then the performance at the weekend is bad, so they're trying to fix the performance while also trying to deal with all the outside noise and they're all on social media and some of them say, have talked about how they came off it during the tournament because it was so um, it was so negative so I can only imagine it was a very difficult time but any team who lose, loses 5 from 5 even the Irish team in the 90s the men's team in the 90s when it was they were losing wooden spoons and they had no um, they had no, no social media I'm sure they felt like they were in a bit of a, a doom cycle and it took a long time to get it I don't think it's just about that but they are they they are they're not the youngest group but they're a very inexperienced group they're you know the RFU's decision making has taken a lot of talented players out of it because they're off playing sevens as well 
McWilliams decided to go with the seven, without the sevens players this time, and I think it was the right decision in terms of you know if if you're not all you're either all in or you're not in, and I I do think that's the way forward, and I think after Paris there might be a bit of change there and the sevens players may be able to focus on 15s more and then maybe when New Sephora goes there's more of a a realisation sorry this is going on that, that, that the 15s will be the primary thing but you know for now it's not and it, the results and the performance are reflecting that and that's again happening live on national television every Saturday it's a very difficult place to be yeah, yeah and, with, and with that as well guys just like on that at no stage so Greg is I suppose and the coaching staff the players are constantly being asked about this and you know the outside noise and the telegraph and you know what how are they going to sort this out or or um, you know what tournaments or what ways the AIL going to be or you know where are you going to get these players and I suppose like this might or might not have anything to do with it but I suppose no stage did Greg employ Greg's employers, the RFU, come out and and give a statement and say, look, we will talk about this after the tournament. Um, maybe that isn't the done thing, but I, I, I just know every press conference it was directed towards uh Greg, Neve Briggs, Nicola Friday. And if if they came out and said, look, we're in the process of of changing this, it's not finalized, or we're looking at focusing or investing our money in these areas, you know, there's a lot of chat about investment and we know there's money being invested, but nobody kind of knows specifically where this money is going and how we're not seeing it. So I, I also think that if they came out, it might have taken a little bit of pressure off Greg, could have focused on the rugby in the tournament and then the RFU would have been able to come in and give their structures and say, look, this is what we're doing to improve it. But at no stage did that happen to, to throughout the whole Six Nations. Now, people might argue they don't have to do that and I understand that, but it was kind of I, a new era for the women's game and, and Greg was under a lot of pressure. I think there's huge validity to that. They are... So I, I spoke to Kevin Potts last Thursday for a, an interview and I have a big piece tomorrow with his response to the Telegraph article and, and, and the state of play and, and his defence of the union's running of women's rugby. And I do think that he, since he's come in, has put a big focus on it. But but I did ring them the morning of the Telegraph article and I did flag with them that, if, you know, could we get something from Kevin or David Nusifora because otherwise Greg McWilliams is going to be asked about this at the press conference and it will dominate the build-up to the Italy game. They didn't put someone forward. They have a big press conference next week on May 10th on Wednesday where out in the HBC they're bringing out, I, I, I presume, there's a couple of people at it, uh, Gillian McDarby, the performance, the women's performance manager is there to kind of outline their structures going forward. They are putting in centres of excellence in universities and the, like there are things happening beneath the surface that, now, you, people will have valid arguments whether these are the right things you're doing but they are there is investment going in and there is plans in place and and I think there are ripples beneath the surface that are certainly um, could bring about future success but right now on the surface the national team is really struggling and, and, and failing you know and, and you could argue it was being set up to fail but you know Greg Williams is paying the price for this with his job whether he's walking or being pushed he's 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 losing his job and he's and he's suffered uh, I don't know how much reputational damage but he's had to front up for a losing team on national television every week David Nusifora the very highly paid uh, performance director who is doing an excellent job on the men's side of the house and you can gr- Cribble with some of the decisions that he made around, you know, emerging Ireland tours and things. But you know, world number one team going to the World Cup on the back of a Grand Slam and a ser- series win in, in New Zealand, having a point at Andy Farrell. A lot of great decisions on that side of the house. But he's also responsible for the women's side, and he, and he comes out once a year and gives a press conference and and kind of dismissively 
talk like he, he, you know he, he'll talk about it and he's very well able to to take a question but like there's an argument that he should be in here now rather than me and Fiona talking yeah. about what happened well, or, they missed, they missed all t- the targets in that five year review all of much all of them every one of them and like they haven't qualified for the Olympics either which is his big his big thing that he's doing so I'm not saying sack him you know I think he's gone next year anyway but but the sorry he is gone next year anyway but he should be out I mean, part of his mandate should be to front for for things like this. Like when Eddie Eddie Jones had a finished fifth in the Six Nations, the the RFU, Bill Sweeney was out talking about it days later and saying they're going to have a review. Even if they're, I mean, we don't want any more reviews. I think we've we've, we've had quite enough of reviews now. But Fiona's point is really really fair. And like Greg Williams had to go out and give a press conference and then got pilloried for elements of what he said. And look, you can argue the rights and wrongs of what he said. Players were asked about it. They're all on social media. There are people who are in positions of power who actually have more more agency to change what actually needs to change while the head coach should also be responsible for the performance of the team and the players should be responsible for those five defeats so it's a very hard sport to analyse sometimes and and we go away from the rugby so much like they never fixed their line out they never picked Clean and Maloney they've never really given an adequate reason why they didn't pick Clean and Maloney they, they never they, called her club coach which is well yeah that's another like that's a you know the, the, these are all things that are that, that are that are in the ether that you could if you were just talking about Greg or, or the team's performance and um, that that you could justifiably say but there's so many big picture stuff that we almost the team get a pass sometimes for stuff that like you know you've got to fix your line out you're in camp a lot you're some a lot of your full time players that, that you don't know where to lay the lay the blame. We're not necessarily out for a blame game, we, but everyone wants this thing to succeed. I mean, no one wants to be like Fiona's been on TV every week talking about a losing team. I'm sure all she wants to do is have something to talk, you know fun to talk about um, in those in those scenarios. We like it's so. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so jarring to see one side of the team and world number one and the other side ranked ninth and in in with the the likes of Jamaica and Kazakhstan. It's just wrong, and it, they do recognise it. I hope that they're making the right decisions along the way. I hope they're engaging the people that actually are on the ground who who have ideas and asking them Fridays. They say they are, um, but I think there's a huge body of work to engage the people on the ground and bring them with them because there's such a disparity between what they want and their trust with the RFU. Although it has improved, I think, since the letter, it still has a journey to travel. Yeah, I mean, Fiona, it was very... I can imagine how frustrating it was for you guys on TV to see yourself and Jenny every week having to talk and... Um, you're having to almost feel like you've gone to another low and you're having to talk about it again and you could actually feel that frustration when Joe was even talking to you guys after the Scotland game at the weekend yeah and and look like I even had to go off Twitter for a week because I I made a comment about talking about the rugby rather than the off-field stuff and I got absolutely roasted by people saying you know you need to focus on that but what people don't understand is I'm banging this drum for about six or seven years now and I'm, I'm constantly talking about what's on the inside and I just I just felt and, and Rory touching it as well obviously there's outside stuff but I felt watching these players that they had a lot more in them than what I was seeing you know like you can talk about the outside stuff but they're playing the game and they want to look and analyse their own game and at times yeah things improved but but they'd be very disappointed I mean a, a national team needs to have a good line out if you're in camp that much Um, you know like little things like that and and I think, you know, as as the tournament went on and you're right, right at the end, it was it was kind of it was frustrating because 
like I'll be honest with you, every time bar England and France, and I hate even saying it, every game I firmly believe that Ireland had a chance of winning. Um, even after the Welsh defeat, I felt they could have gone out and turned things around in Italy. France and England are too far ahead. But even the last game against Scotland, and, and they were well in this game, so they just showed they have the ability. But it's it's spot on. It's very frustrating with such, and it's not the players' fault either. It's, it's, it's where we are. It's trying to figure out, you know, are we exactly here? Can... Can these players, we saw with Wales in particular, can these players turn things around and and kind of make a big improvement in, in the, they're playing the WX3 now, but like in that Six Nations period before the next one, because what can't happen is that we fall further behind. But I, I, I think the thing with Wales is that they basically, in Scotland, similar, they basically, all their players are playing in the Premiership. You know, they're all playing that high level of rugby and whether they're with Loughborough, whether they're with Bristol Bears, they're kind of near their borders and they get to 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 play that high level of rugby and it's trying to figure out and everyone and their mother, I suppose, will have an opinion that's involved in women's rugby, what's the best way forward. But the are few are the ones in charge and all we want is to hear, you know, this is what we're doing. And it's not about money all the time. It's just having competitive games. I know the talent's out there and it mightn't be next year. If we see a little bit improvement next year, would you want to be competing? And you want to be trying to get into that next World Cup and be competitive in the next World Cup. This is Irish rugby and, and we're well capable. We have the, not a huge player pool, but we certainly have the players and we need to start keeping the kids looking at rugby and, um, and keeping them involved in the game as well. Yeah, rugby here in Vodafone is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. It's quarterfinal weekend in the URC. Connacht go to Ulster on Friday night, Rory. And in many ways, Connacht have been blessed by the way the results have fallen over the weekend just gone by. So because of the way the Challenge Cup final is shaped up now with Glasgow and Toulon, if Leinster beat the Sharks on Saturday evening, it means that Connacht are assured of a place in the Champions Cup next year. Yep, correct. Um, so, I mean, and we we don't know how much rotation Leinster are going to do, but, you know, without Khaleesi and Etzebeth, who are both out injured, you would expect Leinster to beat the Sharks on Friday night or on Saturday at home. And Connacht will then have their mission accomplished before they go into this game. And it's a mindset thing then as to whether they want to go and do what they did in 2016 and win a trophy because they're on the opposite side of the draw from Leinster. And you've got to think that Leinster are going to be vulnerable in the next four weeks because they have won. They want to win the double, but they their priority is the Champions Cup. They've got to beat the Sharks this weekend, a week after they play Toulouse. Then they they will be at home against if they, if they do that against Munster or Glasgow. Like that's a that's ripe for the picking. Now Glasgow, if they win, have a Challenge Cup final the following week, so they may do a bit of rotation themselves. But Munster, are, who now have Snyman and, and Byrne available, which I think is a game changer for their pack. Like they should be like Munster and O'Connor, I think, and, and Ulster all should be looking at this as a chance to, to knock Leinster off and get a, get a, get some silverware. And those opportunities are so rare because Leinster are so dominant. And, and Connacht got it done in, in sixteen. Munster missed their chance in the final against Glasgow and the final against Scarlets. Um, Ulster have never really devolved all their finals to Leinster, but all three of the other provinces plus Glasgow and and the Stormers probably as well all have a real opportunity here. And for Connacht. You know, Andy Friend said enough at the end of the season. They've nearly everyone fit. Hanson and Bunyaki are back. They just went to Glasgow, who had a pretty good team and nearly beat them away from home. Before that, they'd won four or five on the trot. They're playing some good rugby. They have won in Ravenhill under Andy Friend in recent memory. Which ended that 50-year wait, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I've been to a couple of other Connacht games up there. and Before that, it was a bit of a fate to complete nearly every time they went up. And Pat Lamb may changed that mindset. And then um, Friend has built on that. So there's... 
there, there is a, a version of this game where Connacht concede penalties, also kicked to the corner, and Tom Stewart calls, scores more tries. There's a version of this game where Connacht get it right and Ulster don't have an awful lot beyond that. And I think Ulster are playing a 2019 game of rugby now and they haven't moved on in the way Ireland have in terms of getting your wingers onto the ball. Their wingers stay on the wing. You know, they, they play lovely lovely patterns off front, uh, first phase, but they don't do an awful lot beyond that. And if Connacht can deal with that, stay disciplined, keep the ball on the pitch, don't give them all entry like Leinster did in that, that, that uh, last 16 game. I think Connacht, there is, it is there for them, but it's a big ask. Mm. But if, if they get Europe, that's a good season for them, considering where they started. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the season finished off very well in the regular section. Uh, Fiona, five wins out of six for Connacht uh, down the straight at the season uh, when they had to kind of compose themselves to make sure they got into the playoffs. Ulster coming into this game, Ian Henderson's still out, Tom O'Toole is still out. Is there the possibility for what I call probably a mild surprise if Connacht were to get through on Friday? Yeah, I was thinking, looking at the games, you know, um, I was thinking that a lot of the away teams could, uh, bar Leinster, I think the rest, there is a possibility that the away teams could, could get the win, which is very unusual. But uh, but I just feel this kind of team, the way they finished out the season, um, like one thing I have to applaud is their set piece throughout the URC. They've they've nailed that, be it changing guys coming off from the bench. They've they've just a really good line out and their scrum, especially with Bielham in there, is, is, is a powerful force. You know, they are getting penalties. Um, we see with Dennis Buckley as well when he's playing, he's a he's a very, very good scrummager. Um, Hansen Aki back. Carty's playing good rugby again. His kicking game is is really good. So I think you know they're going to be going up to Ulster. They're not going to be favourites. And um especially if they can guarantee, you know, uh, as Rory said, if they can guarantee their URC or their Champions Cup next year, then there's no pressure on them. They can go out and play rugby and and Bundy in this team makes a huge difference when Bundy's on form you see everybody around him everyone buys in and he just brings that energy so I think it's going to be an absolute belter of a game up in in Ulster on Friday yeah for Ulster this unlike last year where they had to go away for the semi-final that was very draining going to South Africa and the way that they were beaten on the day as well Ulster have got a home path potentially here if they were to win on Friday that's the incentive for them yeah, yeah, no, they do, and, and they had a home final available because last year and they they screwed it up. But the, in this corresponding game last year was against Munster, and they they were glorious on it. And Munster didn't show up in what was Van Grand's last game, and but Ulster were really, really on it, and they just haven't. Re- they've they've hit the odd time you see them carving a team open, but you don't see it as regularly this season. There's a lot of murmurs of discontent, a lot of players leaving at the end of the year. I'm sure a lot of them won't be involved this weekend, but they're around training. There's there is a, a bit of a vibe around Ulster that that, that they need they need the summer. You know, they haven't really since that rocky patch when they lost to Leinster and and then got, you know, the La Rochelle debacle when they had to play their home game at the Aviva and getting hammered by sale. They've got back on track, but they've never really looked convincing and, and the Aviva defeat to Leinster. Like they've lost three times to Leinster this season and you know that do they really want to get back for a fourth go? I, I'm not. I'm not sure. But at the same time, you know they are second seed. So if Leinster do get knocked off, they're on the far side of the draw. They could be in the final at home as well. So they like like all of them. Like I do think on paper they have the second best squad in Ireland. They're certainly this season. I think Munster are coming for them. But um, and and maybe right now Munster are are are, are about to pass them out. But um, they shouldn't be losing the Connacht at home. That's the way they should be looking at it. Their budget is bigger. They've got a, you know a Springbok number eight. They've got more Ireland internationals. Albeit lads have all lost their place this year, um, 
they could prove prove me wrong, put it prove everyone wrong, hammer Connacht and then have a home semi final against one of the South African teams and be onto a final and you know, getting to a final is is a good result for them, especially the way things went in the middle of the season. But um right now there's a bit of mo- momentum behind Connacht and Ulster, you're just not sure. Even the way they finished the season, you know, they beat Edinburgh in the last day, they didn't get a bonus point. Edinburgh weren't had nothing to play for that night. Just there's a little bit of doubt in, in your mind about where Ulster are at. Fiona, what about this double fitness boost for Munster then? We kind of wondered if Tygburn would be seen again this season. And then yeah. you've got Snyman back fit as well. Like They're two incredibly important forwards uh, to have available ahead of a trip to Scotland this weekend. Absolutely. Like you mightn't even see Byrne starting, but to even have someone if he is available and have him on the bench, imagine bringing him on in in a game like that. And he's the type of character. And you know what? What I've looked at with Leinster this season is when guys kind of are out with injury, they have the ability to come back and, and put in huge performances, you know, because they're fighting for their place. There's no getting used to game time again or, or bring them up to speed. Leinster seem to have that with all their big players. And Ty Byrne is someone from Munster, I find exceptionally similar like that if he misses a couple of games with injury he's the ability to come out and have a man of the match performance he's just at the breakdown he's absolutely immense and and to bring him would be huge and like you could also like they probably will go with Snyman but I thought Witcherly has been has been very very good as well you know the, and Tom Ahern is fit again so there's some they've good options in, in that second row monster and going over to Glasgow um, as you said, Connacht like not to gave him a good run. I watched that game. It was it was a good game. So look, I think Munster obviously have that whole tone park payback on their mind as well. That was a, a terrible performance for them, and they they know they have the ability to beat Glasgow. Glasgow at home are, are a different animal as well. But I I feel like those last two games in South Africa had really gelled this Munster squad together. You could see a lot more from their attack play. You know even with their scrum not functioning in the second game they were getting over the game line big carries so I think it's going to be a, a good game and I think Munster definitely have the ability to get um, get that win over there and could be even looking at getting into that URC final Yeah it was impressive Rory to go across last two games against the Stormers and Sharks away from home um, everything kind of in the balance particularly ahead of that game against the Stormers where they got out by a couple of points and we're probably unlucky not to win the other game as well that was a fairly impressive way to finish things out yeah, no, it absolutely was, and and they it's shown a bit of resilience in that squad to come back twice from 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 bad points like they you know they kind of got momentum out of the South Africa win in November and and got past that early early season blip. It was more than a blip; it was a hole. And then, but then they had a blip at a really bad time when they lost to you know conceded a lot of points against Scarlets and lost to Glasgow. Then got hammered down in, in Durban. I do I, I still think the conditions that day really really hurt them. And and I'd like you know I'd like to have seen that game in a in, in on a kind of a less humid day. So we saw. I, you know, I thought they were brilliant against the Stormers. I thought the Sharks came. The Sharks probably lost it rather than Munster, but the, but they put them. They stayed in the fight, and I think O'Mahony being in the form that he is is really really positive for Munster because he's he's playing so well. Murray's playing really really well. They've gone. They've made big bold section decisions. You know, Carberry's not getting in, but Ben Healy's coming off the game and running the show. And he looks so confident, and I keep hearing people say he's got a free hit because he's leaving. He he's trying to get in Scotland's World Cup squad. I mean, he's going to Glasgow on Saturday on on Saturday looking to show Gregor Townsend that you're taking me no matter perfect what. Perfect chance to impress. Absolutely, and like that's what he's. And also, he wants to sign off. He's a temporary boy. Dennis Leamy was talking about this yesterday at the presser in Limerick. He's a temporary boy. He, like if this might be the last game he plays for Munster, he wants to go out on a shield. You know, he doesn't. You know, he is a Munster kid through and through he may be playing for Scotland and probably will never play for Munster again because of the IRFU rules you know they're not going to allow an overseas 
you know, effectively become an overseas player. So, like, I think that they've never had Snyman and Tyburn together available at the same time before because they've both been injured at, at different times. I think they will play. I think they'll, they'll move Byrne to six and move Omani to seven and, and um, have Coombs at eight and they'll have that whopper back five with John, John Klein in there as well and they're going to go for this because why not? You know, like they don't, there might not be another game for Munster until next October. So um, get get your best players in the pitch and go for it. Um, I'm not sure the best. Go on, Fiona. Sorry, I just think with that as well, Rory, that point as well, you're talking about Ulster Connacht. All these guys are, are also playing for their place in, in World Cup squad. So the longer these, you know, they can stay in the tournament, obviously, the better to be seen. And I watched Conan last week and we know there's, and he was absolutely outstanding. You know, he, he's just getting better every game. I watch him and Peter O'Manley's obviously listened to that outside noise. No, I know he, he knows exactly what type of player he is, but, you know, these guys are putting in Murray the same. We saw, Munster weren't starting him he's earned his place back you know we saw especially over in South Africa what he brings and it's these games are such huge games and the longer these pro- each province can stay in they're giving their players an extra game to prove to Andy Farrell take me I'm in form because it all comes down to form and I know there's the couple of warm up games and there'll be camps over the summer but those big games are what coaches remember and who's standing up and, and who's able to control the game in each position Fiona, Roy just mentioned the fact that Munster will get their best 15 onto the pitch, really go for it this weekend. It's a single focus. For Leinster, how much do they rotate this week? Because there is probably a kernel of truth in what Ron Nogara said, even if it was very casually on BT Sport at the weekend, that you know Toulouse have got a month like this every month of the season. Uh, Leinster have now got a difficult uh, fixture schedule for the first time in a while. There probably is a little bit of truth in there. Brian O'Driscoll admitted that when I was chatting to him yesterday. Um, I guess they have to rotate in the best interest of actually being in the best shape for the 20th. Yeah, I think they do, but I, I I wouldn't imagine it's going to be huge rotation. You know, they'd be disappointed in not winning this tournament last year, especially off the back of the La Rochelle loss. You know, everyone would have really thought that that Leinster were going to kick on and get silverware, and they haven't. So this tournament, I would imagine, it is huge to Leo Cullen and the players as well. We, we see how good they are in it all season and then to come to the end of the season and and not win that trophy, you know, says something as well. He's obviously trusted Leo's Cullen squad is, you know, he's able to chop and change. And we saw some of the younger guys get a go over in South Africa, be it the, the second game mightn't have gone to plan, but we definitely chopped and changed. But I think he'll still be looking at keeping a lot of guys, you know, in there, giving her, giving them their starting their starting position. You might see, he might be able to give Doris a go at eight, you know, like, and, and let Conan have a rest. So I would imagine there won't be huge rotation. I could be very wrong, but they'll be looking. This Sharks team are going to come over. I know they're obviously he's a bit, and we talked about um, Khaleesi is a huge loss to them, but they'll still be coming over here thinking that they could give Leinster a, a good shout out and, physically in particular and I would imagine Leo will rotate a few but I wouldn't imagine mass changes Circumstances were different or even the loss of the Bulls last year because you're coming off the back of Marseille and the mm. disappointment of that this time around you're coming off the elation of a very good performance against Toulouse last weekend very clear path to try and win two trophies from here I think they're probably in a different mental state going into this than the, that defeat at the RDS last yeah, year Yeah they actually there was, they, were, they beat they hammered Glasgow on the on the rebound and then lost to the Bulls the following week I think they probably thought they'd, they'd worked it out of their system but no one came to that game like the crowds were really bad there was a real hangover over over both of those games they've limited the attendance in the Aviva to 19,000 this weekend um, they're in the Aviva because of the Bruce Springsteen concert um, in the RDS I think they'd like to be in the RDS I think it might suit them more to, to have these games there but at the same time 
finals in, in the Aviva in a couple of weeks' time. So no no harm, keep getting used to it. And the record there is very, very good. Um, psychologically, it's very difficult, but they are a winning machine. They've been winning all season and they pitch up week on week. And they do have the absolute luxury of having the likes of um, you know Max Deegan and Scott Penny. So if they do want to if if they do want to do a little bit of rotation, they're bringing in Ireland internationals or guys who are in Ireland training squads into the squad. They, you know, when they previously did this around URC knockouts, they were taking out Johnny and putting in Ross Byrne. And now if they're taking out Ross Byrne, they're putting in Harry Byrne. So you're going a little bit deeper. But they rate Harry Byrne very highly, and it's a real chance. You know, go back to the World Cup stuff for him to maybe start a couple of URC knockouts and remind everyone that he's still here as well. So there are. I would expect that they rotate within their 23 with maybe one or two. I can't see them going between 26 players on the, during the next couple of weeks. You know, McCarthy's coming back. Um, Ronan Keller is coming back. Like, surely you start him and get, you know, give Sheen a rest, but also get minutes into him. Um, you know, there's there's other players going to be coming back in the next couple of weeks. Probably no they, risk on Henshaw this weekend. I wouldn't think so, but maybe it depends on whether they need to get him a game. But they won't. I, I wouldn't think they go for Henshaw if they've any if they've any doubts about him and if they didn't play him last week I just can't see why you'd push him for this week maybe you give him a dress rehearsal in the semi-final a week out it's it's a fast like Leo Cullen's probably the best coach in the world at doing this because he does it out on a week to week basis and he's largely got these things right they'll miss Reese Ruddock he's always been a really good stalwart around these these kind of windows to be able to bring him in for a URC semi-final like they've beaten Munster in semi-finals a couple of times with not quite second strings but they've made big changes between uh, there used to be that the it used to be the Heinten Cup final, then the URC semi, then the URC final, and they'd kind of rotate the starters out and put them back in for the final. They've managed this before, but it, he keeps going on about how this is a, an extraordinary season and a very new challenge for him. And he's been thinking about it for a long time. So we're going to see a strategy in the next couple of weeks. I'm really interested to see how he, he tries to manage it. Yeah, should be a really good weekend. So Friday, you've got Ulster against Connacht. Saturday, Stormers against the Bulls is the All-South African clash. Leinster against the Sharks and Glasgow against Munster. Fiona, thanks a million for joining us. Cheers, guys. And Rory Connor, thanks as well. It has been Wednesday Night Rugby. Talk to you soon. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.